This is Launch Sunday, and I want to lay out the agenda for our year together. And the thing that I want to put out in front of you is this question. Who really cares? We live in a world that has so much need, so many hurts, endures so many crises, even through the course of one single solitary week. If you're connected to any kind of news source, and I don't even care what kind of news source it is, you are bombarded with a lot of horrific stories of of accidents and hateful actions carried out by hurting and disturbed people. You're, You're constantly bombarded by statistics that could induce so much fear that you're tempted to lock the door on your house and never go out ever again. And, and it's happening so often that there's something that's happening to our hearts, happening to our minds. Do, do you remember the date, April the 20th, 1999? How many does that ring a bell for? It was when Columbine shooting happened. Do you recall how much time we we spent watching the update, sitting in disbelief that this could ever happen in one of our schools? And shootings are now a, a, a weekly occurrence that are sad and traumatic, but they don't elicit the same kind of reaction that it did almost 20 years ago. There, there is so much information, so much hurt, so many crises that in order to preserve our sanity, our, our strength, we have to somewhat isolate ourselves. We, we have to be tough. We have to keep our eyes on the road ahead and struggle with our very own survival. In, in that isolation and self-preservation, our world, our community, our street can become a pretty lonely place to live. If we allow ourselves to live in that kind of mindset, then, then the people that we know, the, the people that we, we have connection with, when they run into difficulties, their, their question will be, who really cares? Is there anybody around that I can reach out to? Who's got my back? Who is affected by my sorrow, my difficulty? Where do I go for support? I've been working toward this new season in our church for a lot of weeks and for, for some months now. And I've been asking God, where do you want us to go? What, what is it that you want us to be a part of and to do over the next several months? What, what's the purpose? What's the work that you have in front of us this year? And I keep coming up. I keep wrestling with this question or questions like it. Who really cares? Matthew 9 is where I want you to go this morning. I want you to open your Bibles. I, I don't care if it's on your phone but, or, or if you have a, an actual Bible, but I want you to bring a Bible because I want you to be like the people uh, in the New Testament who listened with great intensity to what Paul had to say and then went back and measured it to see if what he said lined up with the Word of God. Matthew 9 is where we're going to start our series and our preparations for the year ahead. And it's, a, it's an action-packed chapter. In, in verse 18, a, a broken-hearted dad, a man with influence and means, comes to Jesus and requests that Jesus would help him. He says, my daughter has just died. Please come and place your hand upon her so that she will live again. 
And so they're sort of gathering up their stuff and moving that way. And while he's on the way, a woman who's been suffering for 12 years of of constant blood loss comes up to Jesus with with faith and, and repeating under her breath over and over again, if I could only touch his prayer shawl, I would be healed. If I could only touch his prayer shawl, I would be healed. And Jesus goes a little farther and is, is followed by two, two men blind who, who shout out over and over, Son of David, have mercy on us. Heal us. And, and Jesus just steps away from that incident and, and friends bring a man who's bound up with demon activity in, in his life and, and as a result of that has lost the ability to speak, has lost the ability to communicate. And, and in just a few verses, all in, in one day, Jesus is confronted by hurt and by, by, by need and, and by pain and he's asked by people to come to their crisis, to intervene, to help, to give assistance. And the fact is, is that he does help them. He helps every one of them. The daughter is, is raised back to life. The, the woman is told that her faith has made her well and that the, the, the loss of blood has stopped. And the, the two blind men are told that they, they will have what their faith has expected. And they, and they do receive it. They, they see again. And, and the mute man has a spiritual deliverance and is immediately able to speak with clarity and understanding. And we love their stories and, and we marvel at the ability that Jesus had to help. And we, we seldom look at the words that describe the ambient reaction that would be going on as these things were taking place. At the home of the dead girl, when, when Jesus said, don't, don't worry, the little girl is not dead, she's just sleeping. It says everyone, everyone, everyone began to ridicule him. The two men were healed of their blindness and were asked not to tell their story to anyone because it wasn't the time, because it would set off discussions. It would set off questions that that weren't meant to be part of the discussion that day. But, But the men are so full of joy that they don't keep their silence and they tell anybody and everybody that they see and that they meet. The healing of the, of the mute man brought some people to marvel and, in astonishment and, and, and saying, we've never seen miracles like this before. We've never had this happen in this area before. But the people in power, the people who had influence, the people who had responsibility, they said, this one called Jesus is powered, is directed by Satan himself. He's playing with, he's reorganizing the demons. He's shifting the chairs on the Titanic. So you've come to the background on this day, a day that's not not unlike every other day in the ministry of Jesus. And, and as a result, we come to the verse that I want to focus in on today, this, this powerful picture that is stated for a purpose and to incite us to action this year. It's Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he, Jesus, when Jesus saw the vast crowds of people His heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless. They were like wandering sheep without a shepherd. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless. 
wandering sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is just standing there and he's watching the crowd and he sees more than people moving about. He sees pain. He, he identifies fear. He, he understands the stress and the, the anxiety that is happening in the crowd. He not only sees it, he not only understands it, but he feels it. If you've ever been in a room where people are gathered, people are connected by relationship or connected because of pain or loss, you know what I'm talking about. If, if you've ever had to show up at the door of a family and tell the dad that his son has died unexpectedly, if, if you've ever gone to the airport to pick up a woman who has heard her husband has been out west and has been critically injured and has has gotten on a plane and rushed to his side, and you meet her in the, in the area at the, at the airport, and you have to tell her that he died while you were in the air. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever sat with children and explained that their parent is not coming back to the house, that they're not going to be able to say goodbye If you've ever been in a situation like that, then you know what it is to feel sorrow, fill a house, fill a life. You know what it is to have sadness and sorrow impact you. Jesus is in this vast crowd and he feels, he understands, he, he's very much aware of all the turmoil that's going on in the life of individuals. And the text says that he's deeply moved with compassion. Despite all that he's gone through, the constant pull of the crowd on him to help them in their need, the constant critical attitude that the crowd is, is directing his way, despite the fact that he grows tired and, and weary and that he can be so busy that he, he doesn't have a chance to, to eat, despite that, he finds it very difficult to, to spend, to find some moments alone where he can pull himself together. Despite all of that, he is sensitive to the need that is present in a large crowd and he has this amazing response. He is deeply moved with compassion. He's sympathetic. He has this heartfelt concern for the sufferings and the misfortunes of the people in front of him. He, he sees what they're going through. He, he cares. He feels compelled to do something to ease their suffering, their loneliness, their pain. And that text gives us a picture that is, is powerful and, and helpful. The picture helps us understand both the reality of the subtext of what's happening in the, in the public square that day and his response. So, so here are vast numbers of people moving around and he feels, he, he understands what they're going through and says they are weary. They're just plain exhausted. They're tuckered out. They're, they're, they're helpless. They're like wandering, vulnerable sheep who have no shepherd to look after them. I've never been a shepherd of woolly sheep, but I, I understand from my study that they are very different from lions. 
they, they haven't got a strong sense of direction or purpose. They're distracted by their own need to eat and so can get down in the grass and be eating and never pay attention to where they are or where their clan is and so can become lost very easily. They're not armed with any kind of protection device, so they can't fire quills or a pungent smell at an enemy. They don't have a roar or sharp teeth that will make a predator think twice before they jump on them. They are pretty vulnerable. They're consumed with need to be fed and watered, and that's pretty much the extent of it. If it wasn't for a shepherd who was taking them out to green pastures and beside still waters each and every day, they would be in plenty of deep trouble all of the time. And Jesus says, these people in front of me, for all of their ability, for all of their independence, for all of their intelligence, they're just like sheep who have no shepherd to help them. Lost, weary, vulnerable. pretty good picture just to just to see it and to understand it and 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 I admit to you that I've known that feeling as I'm sure you have and the plan is implied they are sheep they have no shepherd what they need is a shepherd And that verse talks about the need. I want to go back one verse, though, the the verse before the one we just read in Matthew chapter 9 to verse 35. Jesus walked through the region with a joyful message of God's kingdom realm. He taught in their meeting houses, and wherever he went, he demonstrated God's power by healing every kind of sickness, every kind of disease, every kind of illness. It says that Jesus had a strategy. He, he, first of all, went to where hurting people were. He, he didn't avoid people. I don't know, you, you're probably like this sometime. You, you've just had it up to here with people. You don't want to see another living soul. You, you go to the place in your, in your house where you can lock the door and nobody can get to you just so you can be alone. And that, that's good from time to time. But Jesus didn't avoid people. He, he went to where they were. He went to where they gathered. He went to their house, their gathering places. That's an important note to, to make note of. The, the, the next thing that I want you to see is that, that he had a good word for them. When he came in contact with them, he, he wasn't standing there hopeless. He, he brought them a word of hope. A word of joy. He, he didn't stand on the corner with a signboard that said, turn or burn. He didn't list the seven reasons they were disqualified for God's grace and love. His message was helpful. It was hopeful. It was inspiring. The next thing I want you to know is that he taught He he provided instruction on on how to move from where they were, from the weary helplessness that they were experiencing, to where they were to be, empowered and intentional. He gave them the way to rebuild and to restore the original purpose of their lives. He was not only known as the good shepherd to sheep, but he was known as rabbi, the teacher, the one who imparted wisdom and understanding. 
And finally, the thing that is important to see is that, that it wasn't just words. It wasn't sappy, emotional chat. It was powerful, practical release of all that was needed. He, he saw fathers who had lost daughters, women who were sick, people who were blind, individuals that were ter- tormented by evil spirits, and he healed every kind of disease, every kind of illness, set people free from every kind of bondage. He, he brought what was needed to the sheep, and they everything that they needed and required, he brought it to them. That that information, that verse is not just recorded as a bit of a historical information bit. It's there to challenge and inspire both you and I today. The goal of the Christian faith is that we would be disciples, apprentices of Jesus, that we would carry on the family business as he intended it to be carried out, that we would be moved with compassion And that we would respond to need so that it would be said of us, they're just like Jesus. For a few months I've been wrestling with this question, who cares? Who really cares? Over the course of my many years, many personal difficulties, many instructional moments, my heart, my brain, my, my spirit have been molded into thinking and acting like a shepherd. I know what it is to feel when people are in pain. People come to my mind frequently for no apparent reason, and I have learned to understand that now is the time to reach out and check with that individual. Find out what they are going through. Why are they weary? Are they helpless? Are they needing help? Through all that God has taken me through, I am a shepherd. I love that designation. I love people. I love my work. There are moments when I stand in front of Jesus and say, God, restore the compassion, the pain have have eroded in my heart. Give me new compassion. Baptize me with love again. Touch my heart and make it healthy and strong. But I love being a shepherd. However, I'm limited. I'm one person who can do one thing in one place at one time. I find that I run out of time in the course of a week. I I see people who don't have a shepherd and I feel compelled to reach out to them. I feel to adopt them, to graft them into my heart and care. I'm often asked this ugly, horrible question, how big is your church? Oh, I hate that question. How do you measure it? Do you just count noses in the seats? Do you count how many are in your directory? It's a question I hate because I don't really know the answer. There are people who have never darkened the door of this church, never even attended one service, but have left clear instructions with the people that they relate to that if there is a crisis, if there is a death in the family, if there's some need to call for help to a hospital, then call C3 North Calgary and ask for Pastor Bill. I don't know what the number is. I don't know how big our church is. I know something of what Jesus says in his call to us this morning. 
I understand what he's saying. You can, you can drop me at any event. You can take me to any location in the city and I can find sheep that I want to shepherd. But I'm limited. I've promised my staff this week in our staff meeting that I will limit the crowd that I shepherd to this congregation for the most part over the next two years, that I won't adopt anyone else, or at least try not to adopt too many we are. But pay attention to this house and to the, the development of the people, the ministry, the influence that we're to have right here. And so I stand back like Jesus and I see all the other need and ask this question, who cares about these people? Who's willing not to just say, oh, that's so sad, but actually willing to roll up their sleeves and do something about it? Who will go to them? Who will, who will go there to where they are? Who really cares? And that's the question. That's the that's the direction that Jesus gives in verse 37. He, he turned to his disciples and says, The harvest is huge and it's ripe and there are not enough harvesters to bring it in. Jesus is, is talking to a culture uh, that revolves around agriculture and so he uses that language that's understood and, and we for the most part are not involved in the industry or immersed in the verbiage and, and Debbie and I live on an acreage just north and east of the city and, and so across from our house, across the street and behind our house and, and on the road as we come to work each and every day, there are tractors right now knocking down crops and combines that are bringing in and, and gathering up grain. And, and, and this task, it's time sensitive. You have a very small window to get the crops in before rain or, or frost or snow comes and damages and destroys the crop. And the problem is, is that there's this huge amount of work to do in a small amount of time, and there's not enough resources to get it all done in time. They need help. They need more time. They need more workers. And Jesus is not talking about crops right here. He's, he's talking, up when he talks about harvest, he's talking about people. He Not about numbers, not about statistics, not about concept. He knows names. He has addresses. He feels pain and has compassion for situations of those people. And, and his word is about, about the people that live around you and live close to me. He says the need in the people that you know, the people that you rub shoulders with, the need is huge. The opportunities are incredible. About once a week, some sad sack comes up to me and says, Oh, pastor, it must be terrible to be a pastor in these horrible days. And I look at them and wonder, like, which rocket ship did you just get off of? Where do you live? These are the best days, the most incredible days. People are asking questions that they've never asked before. The people are, the doors are wide open. Opportunity is everywhere. Everywhere. The, the, the need is huge and the opportunities are incredible. The problem is, is that we're short of shepherds who will love sheep who will go to the weary, go to those that are in need and just serve and help. 
we, we have lost, weary, overwhelmed, vulnerable people, but we're short on shepherds, short on people that care, people that are willing to invest who, who they are and what they bring to care for people. We're short on people who care. So here comes Jesus with the solution. He's speaking to you and me as followers and disciples of him. And he gives this plea, a plea for, for help with the need and the opportunity that is in front of us. Verse 38, as you go, plead with the owner of the harvest to thrust out many more reapers to harvest his grain. I love how the Passion Version puts it out here. As you go. Jesus assumes, Jesus presumes that you are a disciple, that you love and you follow him, and that you're going to join him in the family business. He doesn't ask, he doesn't suggest, he just says, when you go, you have no options. You have to. The business of God is people, and the business is going to shepherd people in need, weary, vulnerable people who have no one else who loves, no one else who cares, no one else who will shepherd them to a place that God has designed them to be. He assumes that you and I are going to pick up the call and serve the need. Bill, as you go. Dan, as you go. Valerie, as you go. So you're drafted, you're all in, you're invested, you're motivated, you're involved. That's a given. If you are not, if, you are, if you're uninterested, if you're unconnected to the heart of compassion that Jesus has for his sheep, you're not a shepherd and you're not a disciple. Then you're in a place where you don't belong and disciples carry the same heart, the same vision, the same compassion of, as Jesus. And, and if you don't carry that heart, you need to get at his feet and find out why. The plea goes like this. As you go to people that are in need, ask God to send more help. Not Sit in your lazy boy and pray, oh God, send some other folks to help out there. As you go, say, oh God, help me, bring, help me, send more help. The need is too great. The opportunity is too rich to walk away. We need more help. There are so many people with so many needs and so much opportunity. You're, you're helping. And as you make your way to people, plead with God to send even more help. We can never have too much help. I, I want to let you in on a secret. As I've said already, I love my work. I love people. I can't wait to be with them. I can't wait for you to come on a Sunday morning. But I can come to the end of the day and be weary and worn out, but still pretty happy. The thing that wears me down, the thing that makes me crazy, makes me anxious, makes me cranky, is not my work. It's knowing that if I work seven days a week, 365 days a year, all day, every day, there is still more need. There's still more opportunity that, that I can't get to. That plays me out. 
We need help. So here's the agenda for the year that's ahead of C3 North Calgary. Here's the thing that I need you to do. In fact, I'm going to invite you, if you have a pen or a paper, to, just to take it out because I, I need you to write some of these things down. I'm going to push. I'm, I'm going to need your help. My goal, my intention this year is to raise up an army of shepherds here. People who are moved with compassion by the sight of people who are in need. To equip a team who have the ability to feel pain and feel the anxiety and the need of people that surround them. People who not only see and feel, but people who are ready to leave their comfort zones and move to the front lines as shepherds. People who, when asked the question, who really cares, the answer is not, well, tell Jesus he cares about you. You know, he really does. That doesn't do anybody any good. When Jesus saw need, he moved toward it. He showed up. He went to where people were and helped out in practical, powerful, life-changing ways, despite what the critics said, what they thought, or what they did. He moved to need. When someone says, who really cares? There has to be, real, in real time, real people, a real live person who shows up and doesn't say he or she cares, but actually demonstrates that he or she cares, practically, powerfully, lovingly. In the days that are ahead, I'm asking God for the help to... To help shape your heart, your mind, your circumstances so that you walk out of this place competent, powerful shepherds who care about those that are weary and helpless, people who are in need, people who need some hope. The plan is to make a difference in the lives of of the people on the street that you live and the strategy calls for you to have some margins built into your life so that when God shows you a person in pain, you have room in your time, you have room in your home, you have room in your budget to do something that's going to make a difference. I can't get to all of them. I, I don't know them. I'm not connected with them. But as you go to sheep that are weary and in need, You'll have this confidence. You'll have this backing of God. Does that make sense to you? Well, that's just the easy part. We have some amazing ways that we interact with our community, and that's one of the places we want to, to look into right now. We supply some amazing resources and services to this community and we want to do more. We want to be involved more. We want to be recognized as the church on the, on the corner that helps, that, that they're practical. They're, they're not crazy, they're just nice people who when you need a friend, they're there. Our season of generosity has had a very positive impact on our neighborhood and we'll be looking to expand that footprint this year. We have two courses that will run this year. One is divorce recovery that begins in October. 
And then the other one is a replay of our grief recovery that will happen in the new year. Both are excellent ways to to help weary, broken people. Our plan is to begin a recovery program for, for people who have substance abuse difficulties. We've already asked the Father to send us helper for that kind of amazing opportunity. A great story to tell you about our community Someone showed up at the community center over here uh, just behind the mall to ask for permission to put up a, a poster for our divorce recovery session. And the manager that was there asked to see the poster and saw that it was our church and said, oh yes, you can put up that poster here. C3 is always here when we need them. They show up and they help every time we ask. I want you to know why that is. The reason that is, is because Brad Arsenault shows up as a shepherd to that group. He's built bridges. He's built relationship. When he needs teams, he pulls them together and he moves there. And we have a good reputation there because he wanted to be a shepherd. That doesn't just happen. That is the result of years of work and relationship that Brad has put in to represent us well. We have a reputation of being valuable because Brad has gone, has served, has loved, has given. And that will be how we continue to serve and look for new areas of service in this area. For a number of years, we've been praying about expanding the footprint in this area, we, we are a part of a church planting movement. And every week there's a C3 church opening up somewhere in the world. And we've wanted to be a part of that involvement. And, and, and we've looked around and we've prayed and, and we've planned and plotted. And in October, we will start to pull together people who are interested, people who are invested in reaching the city of Strathmore. It's a city of 15,887 persons. We've asked Shannon Moyer, will you just stand? Keep standing. We've asked Shannon Moira Simpson to be campus leaders of of a Strathmore outreach. It comes out of the compassion that was found in the heart of Jesus that's found in their hearts. Shan is a repair person, an appliance repair person. And uh, he goes house to house and fixes broken dishwashers and dryers and washers and the like. Can't tell you how many times he's been to my house, okay? (laughs) Two things you need to know about this shepherd. The first thing is that he has an excellent reputation in his community. On more than one occasion, he's been voted the business of the year, the service person of the year. But the other thing that you need to know is he goes where people are because he shepherds people every time he goes to a home on a service call. He, he, they, they, they think that the need is a broken down dishwasher, but he knows that the appliance is the key that opens the door that opens their hearts. And allows him to speak with them, to pray with them, to pray for their need. He, he, like Jesus, is moved with compassion by people who maybe nobody else cares about. Thank you, you guys. You can be seated.
you can see that they're not like me. I can't grow a beard like that. He's got hair. They're, they're not like me. And so, so we're going to have another campus, one church in two locations. We're going to be C3 church family, one pastoral team, but with a family that meets in two different locations. We've, we've asked and we'll ask some people to help us out in Strathmore. Some will move there to help. Some will drive out and serve until we need them some other place. It's a, it's a mammoth undertaking. It, the, the response that I naturally would have is that we're not ready. We, we need more people. We need more leaders. We need more finances, more resources before we take on such a project. However, as you go, as you go, as you go, he says, to people where they are in need, ask for help and God will resource you. He will supply all of our needs. That means that the people that we count on here in this house for help and strength and investment will be invested into our campus there. That means that we will need to raise up more helpers here. That we will need more resources. More leaders, more greeters, more worshipers, more youth workers. You'll need to know that that will be a constant need in this house because I have a vision for people who live in Chestermere. And I have a burden in my heart for people who live in Forest Lawn and in the properties. And I have compassion for, for people in Applewood and Dover and who will go to Mayland Heights and to Saddletown. And so much more need and so many more opportunities. Who will be the chaplains in the downtown to office towers? Who will, who will care about the Sikh and the Muslim communities? Who cares about the reaching out to sports communities? We saw with the, with, with the Humboldt situation that all of a sudden a door door can pop open and we need people who know what they're doing and know how to go there. Who will go? So this morning I'm coming to you at the start of a brand new year to plead with you to be completely invested in Father's business. Without apology, I am asking you to help me shepherd sheep that have no shepherd. I'm asking for specific responses from you. It doesn't matter to me how old you are or how young you are. It's not a big concern for me as to how long or for how short of time you've been a follower of Jesus. I'm just looking for willing hearts that will say, no matter how hard it gets, I will help you get to people in need. I'm not looking for spectators. Christianity is not a spectator sport, in case you didn't know. Jesus wasn't a spectator, nor did he pull together a team of spectators. He enlisted a team of participants. Your call is participate. I'm asking you to invest in this project, but more than that, I'm asking for you to invest your life in this project. I'm asking big and I'm looking for, oh, here comes the dirty word. I'm looking for commitment. 
I'm asking for some specific things. I I need your commitment. I need you to listen very carefully over these next few moments so that there's no misunderstanding. I will take you whenever you're here, and I'll be grateful for when you're here. However, because of the importance of our work, I'm asking that you would be invested in what we do here. If you're a parent... You don't show up to attend to your child when it's convenient, when nothing better is available. You're needed at the most inconvenient times and for the most difficult of assignments. You can't say to a child with a dirty diaper, I'd like to help you out, you know, really. But wow, there's this great sports activity on TV and, well, you're out of luck. They'll come to your house and take that child away. As a student, if if you only show up when you feel like showing up or only when there's nothing better available, then you will be re-registering next fall for the same project you registered for this fall. You're going to fail. So I need you to commit to this house. I need you to come ready to change an atmosphere. I need you ready to meet a new person who's coming in and looking like a scared rabbit. What have I walked into? And I need you to go to them and tell them your name and make them feel welcomed in this house. I need you to be ready to fill in because somebody else is sick. I need you to be ready to serve anyone, any need that arises. I recognize that you can go on holidays and that sometimes we get the flu and we have shifts that work to work that includes Sundays, but I'm asking you to be here, to be prepared, to shepherd and work when it's not convenient, when there's better offers that come along, when there's amazing sporting events being televised, because we're not just in the people business, but we are in the rescue of people, and what we do makes a difference, not only for now, but for all of eternity. And I need you here. Now, I know I'm preaching to the crowd, those backsliders who aren't here this morning. They're the ones who really needed that, but maybe I'm hoping you'll gossip that to them, okay? I'm asking that each one of you would find a place to serve. Next week, there'll be sheets that give you opportunities and some suggestions, but, but we have some gaps In the spring, I went to Eric and I said, I want to move this person over there and I want to take these two to have them take responsibility over there. And by this way, by by the way, this person is heading off to school. And, And in one meeting, I completely decimated his youth team. Just left him with one individual. Is that true? That's so true. (laughs) He loves to see vision. He just hates when it crashes into him like that. I have places to fill everywhere. Some really big places to fill where no one will see or know what you do. It takes about a team of 70 volunteers to pull off a Sunday service. That doesn't count what goes on in the week or the maintenance items or the visitation or a host of ministries and activities that occur during the week. I'm asking that everyone has at least one place where they serve. 
if physically you're having difficulty with mobility or, or age or anything, then I have places where you can serve from, from your rocking chair if that's where you're going to be. But I want you to take one place of service. I'm asking that in the next week or two that you would ask God who your person is. Who is the person that he's brought into your life, that, that sheep who's weary and in need and has no shepherd? Who is that person in your life? Who's my person? Who is it that you want me to love, to serve, to help? I want to be able in two weeks to come to you and say, who's your person? And when I ask you that, I want you to be able to tell me their story. I want to see the compassion that you have in you that, toward that person that drives you to your knees, asking God for his help and serving and helping them. Who is your person? Who is it that you care about? Who is that person? Like I said, I hope you're writing this down because it's important and I will be asking. I will be looking for your investment. And I'm not just asking for an investment of your time and of your talent, but I'm asking for an investment of your treasure. God's Word teaches that everything that we have need of is found in this house. If we need a prophetic voice, it's already in this house. We may have to dig for it. We may have to refine it. We might have to train it and push it, but it's in this house. The same is true of finances. What we need to do is going to cost some money. Let me say this. It's going to cost a lot of money. There are things that we need to do, and we need to do them well. We, we, we will not waste. We haven't wasted, and we will not waste or spend it foolishly. But in, in order to go ahead, to get to where people are, and to do what they need, we will need money. God says that isn't a problem. It's in this house. Oh, it got quiet in here. You can shout me down on just about anything else, but when I get close to your wallet, it gets very Promises, ask and I will supply. The supply doesn't come from lottery tickets or accidentally stumbling on billions of dollars in the street. It comes from people sitting down with purpose and saying, I need to invest my treasures in the house of God that I call home. We need, what we need is already in this house. I'm asking for you to do something. I'm wanting everybody in this house to reach out in front of you and take an envelope from right now. Just, just do it. I can see if you're moving. I, I see you, okay? I want you to take an envelope and just hold it. I want you to take this envelope home and I want you to place it someplace where you will see it every day this week. And every time you see it, I want you to ask God this question. Next Sunday, what do you want me to give? 
Now, the question was quite simple and straightforward, but I know already that from the time it left my mouth to the time it hit your ears, there was some twisting and turning there. I didn't say, well, you know, Pastor, this isn't really a good time for us. It's back to school, and we've just spent a billion dollars on outfitting those kids together. And, you know, we're sort of in between paychecks. And that's, I didn't ask any of that. God, what do you want me to give next Sunday? And I want you to listen carefully because if you ask that question, I guarantee he'll tell you. He will tell you. And the, the verse I read earlier this morning, I want, you to, I want you to have it in your head. You may not be a regular contributor. You may be a regular contributor. It doesn't matter. I, at the beginning, I'll just tell you how Debbie and I do it. At the beginning of the year, we know what we gave last year, and we just ratchet it up a little bit. Then we divide it out into 52 Sundays. We come every Sunday, and then every month or so, we just say, God, do you want us to give more? If there's more income, then we give, a, we give more automatically, but God, what do you... So this week, on top of what I usually give on those 52 Sundays, I'll be praying over my envelope, God, what do you want me to give? It's an experiment in faith. It's an experiment in faith Malachi says that you can test God in this one area, giving. Stand back and see, he says, if he doesn't pour out on you a blessing that you can't contain. It's an experiment. God, what will you do with the little bit or the, the, the amount that I give to you? you? You need to know that part of my praying for you, and I said this earlier this summer, but I say it again because some of you just looked at me like I had two heads on my shoulder. But my, parting, part of my praying for you people is that you will be enriched in every way so that the work that we do here is always able to move ahead because we have enough. And if I can pray for you to be enriched, to get raises and increases and, and money from surprising areas, then you can pray and ask God to show you what to give to start out this season on a strong financial note. I'm instructing the schedulers to get ready to have more counters next Sunday because we're going to start moving in miracles because we hear God's voice and we respond. Here's the promise in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you obey, I will bless. I will bless. I'm not getting buttons or t-shirts. David, can you come and play for me, please? I'm not getting buttons or t-shirts printed up that say, we care. Because nobody wants to see or hear the words. They want to experience the reality of someone caring. They want you to show up when you say you're going to show up. They want you to bring practical, loving, powerful help and hope to their situation. So this year, I'm asking that you would invest in, in three ministry adventures with me. Boy, he's gotten really pushy over the summer. I don't think we should let him go on holidays. He's so bossy. Pray for Debbie. She lives with it all the time. I'm asking you to invest in three ministry adventures with me. 
The first is I want you to pray. I want you to pray every day for our church. I want you to pray every day for our leadership team, for our influence in our community, and for Strathmore. I want you to show up at least one time a month for prayer here corporately. I want you to be either at a prayer, pre-prayer service here in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning or on a Tuesday night prayer time at least once a month. I want you there. I'm not going to come and look in your windows to see, what are you doing? I'm too busy shepherding the lost to do, you know, like I just need you to be here. You're a disciple, you're a follower, you're investing in the house, I need you here. I want you to be with us on Sunday night, the advanced night of prayer. It occurs three times a year. The first one is Sunday, September 30th at 6.30. I don't want you just to come. I need you to be there, to participate. If, if we're going to move ahead and to reach people in need, we need to be a powerful people in, in prayer. I need you to pray. I need you to work with me. Find a place to serve. Find your person. Come to church ready to participate, ready to meet and welcome people, all kinds of people to this house as they search for faith. Come ready to build together with us. No spectators, everyone participating. I need you to work with me. And you need to know I'm in, I've just started my 34th year here in this house. And I, it's been a great, and nobody, I, I haven't run into a lot of opposition and I'm not feeling persecuted or anything else. I just need to pull some spectators into participators. And the third thing I need from you is I want you to believe. Not just now, but every week. Come to church with expectation. And believe that he who has begun a good work in you will not abandon you now, but use you incredibly to help people. I I want you to encourage and inspire people to look above their circumstance and see the opportunity that's in front of us right now. I want you to refuse to be the doubting Thomas who sits there in our congregation and and says, well, you know, I I don't think they should really be doing Strathmore at this time. It just doesn't seem like good sense. You know, I I don't think he should have talked like that about offerings. That seems awfully pushy. What if people are offended? I'm here to offend the comfortable and comfort the offended. You know, whatever. It's all, I'm just here to make you who you were designed to be in Christ. So don't be a doubting Thomas. Be a person of faith. Where you're prophesying by what you do and how you invest and how you prepare for an incredible, incredible harvest. I want you to be the people who speaks to mountains and sees them move. I want you, I want the world to say that you are men and women who turned my world upside down and right side up and look, they're coming to your house too. Open the door and get ready for them. 
I, I want it said of you that the blessing and prosperity of God is so uh, evident in your life, is so noticeable that people come to you and ask questions. Why is it you have what you have? I want what you have. I'm jealous for what you have. And let that open the door of opportunity to speak to them. That's how I pray for you. My heart is on fire for the year that is ahead. And so I'm asking that you would join in me praying and working and believing for the best year of our history thus far. Like I said, this is the start of my 34th year at C C3 North Calgary. We, we have had some great years and we've had some tough years. But of the years that I've gone through the year ahead is the one that I'm excited about. I prophesy this morning that despite the cost and despite the fight, despite the effort, we will stand up and say it was our most fulfilling year yet. That it was worth every bit of tear, sweat, and blood. We forget all that was behind and look forward to an extra special year ahead. Will you stand with me? I, prepare, I pray this morning that you will have a divine encounter with God this year. That you will be moved with compassion toward people that are in need. That you won't just talk about need, but that you'll run to and invest in the opportunities that come our way. That you will be so hungry for the power of God to help you meet the needs of the, the person, your person, and your ministry, that your, your word will be, I'm on my way, Father. Send me more help so we can get more done. I want it said of you, not said by you, but said of you, he, she cares. If you need real help, don't go anywhere else. Go there. They care. I want this to be our greatest year. I have a couple of questions. Is there any doubt in your mind as to what our assignment is this year? That was kind of weak. I better sit down and we'll just go over it again, okay? Like... know where we're going, you know what we're doing, you know what I'm asking, okay, okay, that was better, the ones who didn't answer, you'll have to stay, you'll miss the picnic, but we'll do it all over again, okay, we'll, we'll just do it all over again, I need you, God needs you, his heart is breaking, he feels the need, he feels the anxiety, he feels the the hurt, the loss, and he says, they're like, they're like sheep. They're my sheep, but they don't have a shepherd. So on your way, ask. You put your hands out like this. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I prophesy over this house that this will be our greatest year ever. That, Father, this house will never lack for anything. We have need for Club J leaders and workers. There will be more than enough. 
that when it comes to doing a project that rises up suddenly we'll just have to put the word out and we'll have more than enough finances coming to it and father the there'll never be a time ever again where we meet at the end of the service to talk about hey listen do, did, was the offering good enough to pay these bills but there will always be more than enough more than enough I speak the supply of God on this people that as they stand before need they'll have more than they ever dreamed that they had they'll have the wisdom of God they'll have the power of God they'll have the presence of God they'll have the ability of God to to reach out and to bring hope help and power to lives that are crumbling in front of them I pray that this house which has always wanted and always been a house of prayer will become a mighty house of prayer that prayer nights and prayer mornings and prayer times will rock in this house and that the reverberation of it will be felt throughout this community and throughout Strathmore. I'm praying and calling for you to start laying calls on people's lives. They've been called, but they need to recognize it. Holy Spirit, speak this morning. Speak this week in such tones that we're able to understand, we're able to know, we're able to, to comprehend what it is that you've called us to. Father, I'm praying right now. There's Everyone in this room has an envelope in their hand, and I'm praying that as a sign of what you're going to do in the year ahead of us, that you'll speak very clearly. You're going to give a number to some people, and they'll say, we don't even have that much in the bank. And you're going to show them, well, you don't have to go three times a day to Starbucks. How about if we cut two of those out and use that money instead? you're going to show them and, and, and next Sunday we're going to come together and it's going to be an incredible Sunday and it's going to be a sign unto us that you're with us it's going to be faith building it's going to be inspiring and we're going to walk out of here saying with God with us nothing is impossible so Father these are the people I love these are the people that you've given me for three decades to serve and to love and to build and to lead and to guide and I have this incredible faith that this year is going to be the year they explode into new dimensions I see days when they have to come in through another door because there's a line up at the front door to get in God we're going to have to go to different kinds of ways of containing the crowd because God you've got something to pour out as we love the people our person that you give to us so bless, lead, speak clearly this week, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You're dismissed.